Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome back, Charlotte. Did you one, miss me? One whole week off. That's like an eternity I- for you in work years. <laughs> And you had Maya, so it's not like you exactly suffered. Oh, no. Me. I had a great time. Yeah. I mean, we missed you. It would have been fun to have you there, but Maya and I had a blast, uh, which we recorded so everyone can experience how fun it is to be with Maya. Yeah. Um, so what would you maybe, I, I guess actually you're, you might talk about this in your Where You Saw God this week, um, but would you tell everybody maybe what you were doing last week and then share... Uh-huh maybe where you saw God in this past week? Yeah, absolutely. So um, last week, which we recorded, the podcast was recorded in the week after Easter. And I took Monday through Friday off of that week and went on a grand adventure. Um, My husband and I drove up to Sequoia National Park um, for a couple of days of camping. And then after our camping adventure, we went to the land of hot showers and wine and Paso Robles um, and then came home. So, I mean, it was a very brief trip. Tim and I were actually discussing the fact that we feel like we did so much, but that it wasn't overscheduled, which really does tell you how needed a break is because you are able to do things in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming and exhausting. Whereas in regular life, when you try to add anything extra in, it's like, Ooh, I can't do one more thing. (laughs) Um, But it was really wonderful to get to take a deep breath and to come back ready for like living into the great 50 days of Easter and excited about programming and all of those things. So it was much needed and much appreciated. And while I missed you tremendously, um, I am really grateful that you had Maya and I was able to get away because I had no internet, um, which was also a gift, um, not to be able to check email or social media or receive text messages or calls for three days was transformative. (laughs) We are transformed by scripture and the lack of internet. Yes. Um, <laughs> both things. But as you ask where I saw God this week, there were actually a lot of opportunities for that, but one immediately comes to mind for me. And that is that Tim and I were camping in Sequoia National Park, tent camping, not RV camping. And as it was April, it was still quite chilly. They've actually had late snow. There was snow a lot of the places that we were up there. In fact, some of our adventures weren't able to happen because a lot of trails were still closed because of snow. So the overnights were chilly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> chilly might be an understatement um, in our tent with our sleeping bag and our, our wool blanket over the top of us and um, him in a winter hat while he was sleeping and maybe wishing we had packed gloves, maybe. Um, but that first night that we were in the tent and chilly, but still laughing and having fun. Um, Tim got out of the tent and he goes, Charlotte, Charlotte, come here. And I thought something was wrong. And so I whip out of the sleeping bag and out of the tent in like two seconds because I thought something was wrong. And Tim 
is just standing there with his head up. And he goes, have you ever seen so many stars? Because Sequoia is a dark sky place, right? And it's been a long time since I've been in a place that was truly that dark. And he is correct. Like it was the most magnificent amount of stars that you could possibly imagine. And on the second night, we actually saw a shooting star while we were sitting out there and watching all of the stars. But it reminded me of the godly play story of the great family in that moment and of Abraham and Sarah being told that their descendants would number the stars and the grains of sand in the desert. And when you are in a dark sky place and you look up, you understand the magnitude of that story and your connection to God and the people of God Mm -hmm. in that story. Right. So cool. I was just, I actually was just reading, um, Barbara Brown Taylor has a book of, of, um, a compilation book of, of sermons. She's preached as a guest preacher. It's called always a guest. And I read it last night for our small group that we have at our house. And, um, one of the the one the sermon we read last night was about Abram and God promising him you know the descendants and him and she may, she paints this whole picture of him like walking out of his tent because God asked him to come out of his tent and look up at the stars and says you know I'll, they'll number like the stars and like she tries to say just just exactly what you said just like imagine you know this isn't Abraham Abraham living in like downtown San Diego. This is like the middle of nowhere in the desert. There are no lights, you know, except the mm-hmm. lights in, in the sky. And just imagine what that promise must have felt like when you look up and you literally see billions of stars, you know, and you can see yes. them all. Uh, really so amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Charlotte. Um, yeah. And we would love to hear from you all if you would like to share your uh, stories of uh, seeing God this week or any of your stories or questions or comments from your week of faith discussion or reflection. You can email us faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact us or follow us on Instagram at faith to go. And now we're going to get into the gospel for this uh, fourth Sunday of Easter Uh the week leading up to April 25th. Uh, the gospel is from John. You know, we sprinkled John in here in uh, in the Easter season and then Lent and then get really into Mark, which is our gospel for the year uh, after Pentecost. But we're in John today. And the gospel for today is John 10, 11 to 18. Charlotte will read it. And then we'll each have a point and then share a joint point at the end. John chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. All right. So, uh, we are, this, this is a place actually where context does really help because we are jumping around so much. Uh, once we get into, you know, uh, ordinary time, it kind of follows the gospel more gospel narrative more, but this is John 10, uh, back into the middle of John. We heard the end of John, the end parts of John's gospel in the, in the Thomas, uh, story of Jesus's appearance to the disciples. Now we're in John 10, and uh, this is one of those uh, seven I am statements that Jesus has in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. I am, right before this, he says, I am I am the gate for the sheep. Talking about the sheep, anyone that enters the, the sheepfold other than through the gate is a thief. And then now he, I am the good shepherd. Um, this is before, this is, this is like, the, the chapter 11 is the death of Lazarus and then Jesus raising Lazarus and then 12 is Mary anointing Jesus and then his entry into Jerusalem. So this is kind of towards the end of, of his ministry outside of Jerusalem. You know, Jesus is in Jerusalem for a, almost the entire second half of John's gospel. So he spends a lot of time there in John's gospel. But um, we are before that. Uh, this is... Uh, one of the main kind of teaching moments for Jesus, and that's where we are. So, uh, John 10, right in the middle, and Charlotte has the first point for today. I do, I do, and I have to say that I'm drawn to maybe not the most inspiring of characters in this. Um, in our conversation today, I'm really drawn to the wolves and considering their character and their relationship to Jesus in this. And I think that I'm in this place with the wolves because of some of the work I'm doing outside of Faith to Go mm -hmm. at, as the chaplain at Christ Church Day School, because with the upper grades, we are working on The Tale of Despero, um, which is a book by the author Kate DiCamillo. And we are doing it through the lens of forgiveness, which is our virtue for the month of April. And there's this wonderful quote in the book that comes at a moment of great pain and suffering for one of the main characters that says, there are those hearts, reader, that never mend again once they are broken. Or if they do mend, they heal themselves in a crooked and lopsided way, as if sewn together by a careless craftsman. And I was thinking about this because the character that she's talking about in the book is a rat. Um, and you could even hear it in the tone that I just said the word rat. Mm. But there are animals in this world and possibly people that we associate with negative behaviors, emotions, and feelings, um, both on their part and ours. And rats are definitely one of those. So are wolves. Wolves, you, if you hear the word wolf, you automatically think vicious, perhaps, um, and that they don't really care about anything other than maybe their next meal, except for their pack, right? And even then, there's a whole hierarchical thing that comes into play as far as that goes. Um, but in the book, this rat character has done something terrible and is searching for forgiveness. And when doesn't receive it, 
his heart is broken and then he ends up healing in a really crooked and lopsided way that makes him behave terribly. Mm. And if you've not read this book, other than the good book, um, I do recommend it to you. Um, but I was thinking about how Jesus interacts with the wolves because it says in this gospel that when Jesus is with the sheep, he stays with the sheep, which therefore also means that Jesus is staying with the wolves, mm -hmm. right? That he is standing there in proximity to both sheep and wolves. And in the scripture, we don't read that Jesus bashes the wolves with his shepherd's crook or chases the wolves away or kills the wolves. It only talks about Jesus as he is caring for the sheep, his solidarity and staying with them and protecting them. Well, protection can look like a lot of things. Um, protection can look like the behaviors that I named before as far as beating wolves and whatnot, but it also could look like what, how are you changed? How are you transformed when confronted by love, mm. by deep, compassionate love, the kind of love that sets boundaries and protections around sheep? But also, if you are witnessing that as a wolf, how is your life transformed? Mm -hmm. And I think that much in the same way that Jesus is not really talking about sheep and wolves in this gospel, but perhaps people, mm -hmm. um, that that's what I am taking from it, too. Mm -hmm. Because there, as much as there are wolves and there are rats that we label as bad and as terrible and as awful and beyond redemption, that there are people in this world that are painted that exact same way. But truly, are any of us beyond redemption? And especially when we are in close proximity and have an encounter with Christ, how does that take a heart that is gnarled and scarred and, scarred and formed into something that is not good mm -hmm. and heal it and provide the opportunity for both redemption and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is, uh, that idea of, you know, who is beyond redemption is kind of the same question I was, I was thinking about and seem, and I was struck by the idea of Jesus talking about different folds that Jesus has outside of the fold of these sheep that he's talking to. And that idea that um, just what that implies for what Jesus is implying about redemption and about um, communities and about people groups and salvation and things like that, who is beyond the realm of God's love. And I, I just, I'm so thankful for the way that Jesus talks about these other uh, these other sheep. I have I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. Uh, I will I, I will lead them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And I I am struck by the fact that Jesus doesn't say, "I will bring them into this fold also, and then there will be one flock and one shepherd." This word fold is. It can we can think about it not just as like this grouping of sheep, but like the enclosure that they're in. It's like their it's like their field um, that they're enclosed in, and I think that uh, we have a tendency, just based on our just human ways of being in community and like identity, of believing that anything that's outside of our enclosure is you know outside of the the realm of God's love even. <laughs> often um 
But Jesus gives us an incredible opportunity here to live into a mystery, to live into the possibility, the the reality of how Jesus is working in people's lives outside of the groups that we think Jesus loves the most, that we think are exclusive to Jesus's love and God's love. And so it's amazing that in the same gospel where John, that, that John had that, like that the verse in John three, specifically three sixteen, is used to say, okay. you know, it's only people that love that believe in Jesus that are, it's only people that believe in this particular kind of Jesus <laughs> that are within the realm of God's love. We now have seven chapters later. I have sheep in other folds and you, you're mm-hmm. not in those folds with those sheep. So you have to trust me to know that that this is for this is not just for you and that um, those sheep know my voice as well. And maybe they don't know it like, you know, it maybe they know me differently. And it just oh, it just creates this space for us to to wonder and to be curious yeah. and to be open to the possibility that other people have experiences of God in their own specific ways and that God uh, of course, God loves them equally. They know God in a different way. They know God's voice in a different way. They know God's movement in their life in a different way, maybe by a different name or a different face or with through different scriptures or through no scriptures at all or through the poems of one person or another or the novels of one person or another or, f- or through film or through music, you know, but that, that these are all folds but one flock. That we are different folds, but one human family, uh, one human family under this one God with many voices, under this one yeah. God with many ways of being with people and many ways of loving people. And that Jesus is saying, like, I am bigger than this fold. I'm bigger than this enclosure. You don't get to keep me in this enclosure. This enclosure is good for you. This is a, a container within which you grow. That's great. But know that there's something outside of it. <laughs> like that is really important for you to know. Uh, and live into the mystery of that. And live with other people in the reality of that mystery. Yeah. And try stop trying to fit people into your fold. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. I think that that's a really human temptation to be like in order to be part of this, you must fit into what my expectations and understanding of God mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, don't do that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like people are saying, oh, I'll, my the shep- the sh- there's only one shepherd and I've I know his voice and I've heard him and he looks like this and sounds like this. And someone else is like, well, I've got a shepherd, too. And he looks like this and sounds like this to me. And you're like, wait, you have a shepherd. I have a shepherd. Are we, we both have a shepherd. That seems like a good place to start instead of like, no way you're not in my fold. You can't possibly have a shepherd. That's not possible. You know? So Jesus is just like, open it up, you know, try something new. Mm -hmm. See what happens (laughs) when you open up this possibility. And I, I think that kind of expanding thing is, is our, is the third point that we want to bring up, which is about this, about Jesus's words about laying down life and taking it up again. In that he he makes very clear in other parts of, of the gospel and other gospels, like he says it in different ways in different places, but something to the effect of you, you know, the only way to have your life is to lose it. The only way to okay. keep your life is to lose your life kind of thing. Um, and 
and I think this is cool because it makes it kind of lays out the the causal relationship between laying down life and taking it up again that is similar to that teaching and he's saying it for himself he's saying it's not saying like i can lay down my life i can also take it up again you know whichever one Mm -hmm. i want it's i lay down my life in order to so that i might take it up again Mm -hmm. because i can't take it up again until i lay it down and when i take it up again it's like jesus is jesus is showing us you know, through the this is we're reading this in the Easter season for a reason because we can read it through the lens of what we know to be true about the end of the gospel, about the resurrected Jesus, about the transformation of resurrection, of what the possibilities are in in that taking it up again after laying it down is like that Jesus lays down his life and when he takes it up again, it is bigger than just himself. You know, it is this life that includes all life, and mm-hmm. and that we have that we have that invitation too, you know, that when we lay down our lives in big or small ways, when we receive that life back, when we take it up again, when we have our hearts broken, but then, you know, we are open to healing or what, however, whatever the, the thing is, it always is like the hope is that that resurrection opens us up to a bigger life than just our own, you know, so that we can have, we can know the possibility of other folds (laughs) beyond these barriers. Mm -hmm. We can have the possibility of a life bigger than the one that we think just exists within my body and my skin, you know, in my little sphere of reality, that there's something more going on that we can take part in. And that gives us great hope, you know, in in the possibilities of this life. Well, and I think that hope is probably the most important piece of that is you consider that when we are called to sacrifice ourselves to offer forgiveness when we've been caused great pain, to speak up when someone else is being harmed, all of those ways in which we as people are called to sacrifice ourselves, that very often the number one emotion that we're feeling at that time is fear, Um, fear and worry about what's going to happen as a result of it, what is going to happen to us, what is going to happen to our life. And that that hope that we get here from Jesus of our life being bigger because of the sacrifice of our hearts being healed of love, you know, overflowing and and connecting us with other people. That hope is what makes it possible to sacrifice Mm -hmm. um, that reassures us through our fear and, and leads us to taking those steps to providing connection to others, to righting wrongs, to speaking out against injustice. All of those things become possible because of the hope that we hear here. Exactly. All right. Well, that's three points for us today. Uh, We hope you enjoyed them. Uh, At least one of them, you know, one out of three is good. Just think about baseball. You know, you'd be in the Hall of Fame. One out of three. Um, uh, Our first point was Charlotte's and uh, it was about the wolf, the sheep and the wolf and Jesus's presence with the wolf, you know, and that there is nothing, no one beyond uh, redemption, beyond God's love and transformative love in life. Uh, whether we are suffering or causing suffering. Uh, the second was like it in that I it was my point talking about the folds and uh, the sheep in different folds and that there are many folds but one flock. You know, can we can we recognize how this might be showing up in our lives in our large commu- our larger communities, especially as we you know have an increasingly uh, connected uh, global community? Uh, can we recognize? the truth of God, the the love of God in other people and other places and other ways. 
And then uh, the third one was Jesus's words about laying down life and taking it up again and his example in his own embodied way in his life and his resurrection of how when we lay down life, once we lay down life and take it up again, we take it up again in a bigger sense of life. The life we take up again is bigger than us increasingly, maybe in small increments, but growing and growing uh, throughout our, our lives. So having heard those three points, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can, again, send us your Where You Saw God This Week. You can email us uh, your questions, comments, stories from your week of faith discussion reflection, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us, contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith to go. We'll be back uh, next week for the first Sunday in May. I think it's May 2nd. Yeah. It will be uh, Easter 5, and uh, we'll be about halfway through Easter, I think, at that point. Maybe we wow. are already right now. Pentecost is the 23rd of May, so yeah, we're, 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 we're just chugging along. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and until next time, say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.